the environmental agenda isn't some separated part of the project. It's not carved off as like, oh, yeah. by the way, we also try and do environmental yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, it's such a core part of what the whole thing is. Mm-hmm. It would be a, a nonsense to be trying to serve a community while also poisoning them with noxious fumes. I mean, you must have had major alarm bells thinking, OK, we've got a 50 metre by 7 metre giant metal tube. How on earth is that going to work yeah. acoustically? Hi, Nigo. Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very good. Thank you. I'm very good. Um, How are you? Yeah, very good. But we've been together for the last 12 hours or something. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I arrived yesterday. I stayed in uh, one of your old boats. Yep. Yeah. And we're here in Canary Wharf in another boat, in the whole of a boat that is used as a rehearsal space as well. Um, but um, yeah, we can see some some seats at the back uh, but we can you can i ask you to introduce yourself uh but before we're here to talk about theater ship okay um so um but yeah can can you introduce yourself first yeah um, yeah of course of course so uh my name's inigo and i'm the project director at theater ship uh, which is this new project uh in london's docklands in canary wharf uh converting some uh, historic cargo ships into new uh, interdisciplinary art spaces. So we were setting up a new art centre here. And we were meant to do the podcast in that boat, but it's, yes. it's not this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, so we're uh, actually on a different ship at the moment, yeah. which is still part of the project. Uh, but this is our um, this is our smaller ship. Uh, so this is our uh, sort of studio theatre, our, our uh, screening room cinema space and where's the bigger one <laughs> the the bigger one is currently uh on the wrong side of the north sea so uh it's right uh right on the north german coast so on the on the danish border but on the wrong side of denmark what's the name uh, of the city or the place it's called flensburg okay uh, which is a really it's a really beautiful town um uh, but uh, i've now been living in flensburg for much longer than i ever intended uh, while we're trying to get the ship ready to cross across yeah. to the UK. You invited me there. I did invite you there, and you're still very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite desperate for the company, to be honest. <laughs> so, anytime. Yeah. Well, I, I would have liked going there, and it's it's a nice experience, but I've got, obviously I've got a lot of kits to yeah. move, uh, and I've got kits as well, so I can't I can't leave the house for, for too long at the yeah, moment. F- fair enough, I think. Uh, but yeah, it would have yeah. been nice. Yeah, k- um, kids are like boats. You just can't let them out of your eye for too yeah. long, otherwise they start sinking. So. <laughs> and um, yeah. why why is the ship still there? So we, we, we wanted it to be on uh, a historic cargo ship, uh, because we wanted it to be really reflective of this area and uh, and the history of this area, and obviously this is a this is an old cargo dock. Yeah. Uh, but obviously that also poses some complications. Uh, there's actually only four of these ships still intact in Europe, okay. um, and uh, the ship's nearly ninety years old now, and. Purchasing a 90-year-old cargo ship in almost original condition has meant we've got to do an awful lot of work to uh, to get it into a safe condition to actually make another um, sea crossing again, and uh, all of that has taken taken time. And at the moment, the sea is not is not very nice. 
No, yeah, absolutely. Some really big so, waves. Yeah, so so there's six meter waves in the North Sea at the moment, and the ship is only about six meters tall. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're just we're just trapped there, uh, waiting for the for the weather to to improve. Do you know? Do you have an idea of when it, it will improve and when you'll be able to get the ship back in the UK? Uh, so I've got a weather forecast up to 14 days, and I can say definitely not for the next 14 days. Really, and after that. Uh, we're going to be crossing our fingers and hoping. Okay. Um, but it's, yeah, it's seven days and nights to get across and you don't turn the engine off over that time. So you just set off and you go. And obviously we need the weather to be clear and calm mm. for that whole time. Um, so we're going to, uh, obviously I sent you some questions before, but uh, and I've, I would like to speak about the boat and the renovations and then mm. what you're going to be doing. But um, can you can you explain why you wanted to start this project and it's not just you as well there's other people involved yeah, behind yeah. it as well um yeah and why can i wharf as well okay okay so why why did we start the project and why canary wharf i think i think probably it's actually it's the answer to the second question which is also the answer to the first question so uh, this area is really really interesting. Uh, so uh, the dock we're in at the moment is one of the original cargo docks for London. Um, and kind of the whole the whole reason that London is here is its position on the river. So for centuries, it was the furthest crossing point down the Thames that you could do. And that's why London's quite unique for river cities and that it sprawls across both sides of this very big river. Um, and the Thames was then this entry point to the UK for kind of everything. And as London grew, the port of London grew. Yeah, in the um, in the early 1800s, this this dock complex was built. Mm-hmm. Since then, it's been it's been this fascinating entry point for 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 so many different things, and so so many of the communities still living and working in East London and London more broadly have these really deep historic connections to the docks. Yeah, you've got you've got a, a white working class community who have very strong working ties to the the history of industry here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a significant history of migration that's been um, that's, that's been related to the docks as well. Uh, so you've got all these people with these different links. Um, but the docks today are very different. They're they're no longer um, there's no longer really any uh, commercial or, or cargo operations, and um, we thought that 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 there's something interesting there. Um, you've got these, you've got this infrastructure, you've got this body of water that all of these people have a connection to, um, and and we thought that's a really real opportunity to open that up as a as a new public space, uh, bring these people back to these space, like re- record and reflect these histories and these connections. Um, and also reflect the changing nature of the docks. Um, and so what we're doing is we're bringing an old cargo ship back. So one of the ships that used to be here in the docks when the docks were trading. Um, and we're then opening that up uh, with an arts programme that uh, yeah, reflects and celebrates uh, part of the history and part of the communities here. The first time I spoke to you was... I understood that it was really expensive to get a theatre, a building, a theatre building. Yes. So the alternative, was it an alternative to get a ship? Or you've always wanted to, you seem to be very 
uh, liking ship and in right. love with ships because we've we've spent the last twelve hours on yes on ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, you've got some really nice projects yeah. going on in your life around ships. So was it more you're going to turn a ship into a theatre, or it's like oh we want to the theatre and a ship is more cost effective? Right, right. So yeah, I mean, there's there is my personal prejudice here. I love boats. Um, I've been living and working on boats for um, well, for over over ten years now, um, and yeah, it's very difficult to find me on dry land. But that's not really the why, and the the, the cost the cost as well. It's not it's it's not actually significantly cheaper. I mean, the, the maintenance overhead some ships are. Are enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for it being on a ship is it's the reason it's in this area. Is that what, what we want to be doing with our arts program is 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 connecting to these different people mm-hmm. um, and celebrating this part of London yeah. um, and having the venue itself be a part of that, be itself be a reflection and a celebration of these people in this area is. It's a real opportunity, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, when did you when did did you start it? Okay. When did you start looking at it and created the the organization? Yeah. Uh, are you the founder, by the way? I didn't I didn't know. Uh, I presume. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, there's other members of the team. Yeah, so exactly, you, you exactly. The, 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 the team's the, the team's quite large, and a, a project like this doesn't happen without lots of people yeah. coming together. Obviously, um, and I would. I'd say that I think the more more than the ships, uh, more than anything else, is the team, which is our most significant asset as an organisation. Yeah. So we're we're so lucky with the people who have come together and supported this project, um, all working together to make something happen and something that's quite like we were trying to set up a new art space um, on the water, and that's that's not really something that's been been done before. Um, is it the first time in the world or in the UK? Do you know? It's it's certainly going to be the largest floating arts centre in the world. There are things that happen on boats. Uh, anything that happens on land happens in a smaller and damper way uh, somewhere on a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, certainly there hasn't been a project of this scope and this scale before. Yeah, I, I remember when I was, um, especially in Lyon, uh, there was a few performance spaces, yeah. or concerts happening in, in boats. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It, it does must happen in other in other cities or other places, but yeah, of that scale. Can we start with how you started the projects? Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Organization when um. yeah, the structure and everything. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the the genesis of the idea uh, happened over lockdown. Um, and it happened while uh, I was I was here working on a salvage project. So there was a historic tugboat that had sunk in Canary Wharf, and I was here to uh, to bring her up and rescue the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, do we always say her for a ship? Because that's obviously I, I spoke with my mum about mom yeah, about yeah, and she said yeah, but don't we say she and not it's. And I thought, yeah, maybe I'll ask Inigo. Yeah, I, so either either is okay. Yeah. Um, so 
I think I think in modern parlance, people tend to say it now. Yeah. Um, I've been working on boats and ships for a while, and certainly when you're when you're talking to a lot of the people who've um, been around them for a very long time, her is still a very common usage. Yeah. And I I still slip into it sometimes uh, without thinking. Uh, but we, as as a project, we we tend to use uh, it for ships. Okay, so um, I'll carry on with it. Yeah, it okay, it it, it is fine. If I say her, just <laughs> forgive yeah. me. I have quite <laughs> just... a deep and personal relationship with <laughs> some of these ships, <laughs> which is um, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go on, carry um, on. So uh, I was here to uh, repair and salvage this this boat, and I was here over lockdown, and I was really taken by this area um, it was it was my first time being in in canary wharf my first time being in the docks um uh, and for me it was a it, it was a real return to something so my uh, my family way back lived and worked in the docks my my great granddad was a docker he actually died in the dock we're in right now oh, right okay yeah he, um he yeah while working he slipped and and fell, and, and that was that. And it, it, there was something very interesting in, in being here, and obviously there's been all this really exciting new development in the area, um, And but it's on top of this really rich history, um, and there's something really interesting, I think, in making some of that history legible again. Um, and, yeah, so it was that, that sense of an opportunity, and I was working with some people here, and we... Uh, we, we developed the idea together um, and we approached the Canal and River Trust to operate the docks here and they were excited about it too. And that was about three years ago. Okay. Um, and then we spent about a year developing the organisation and developing the plan. Um, and then we we purchased our first ship, which is the ship we're on now, yeah. uh, in July 2022. Okay, um, and yeah, then drove that across and started the project on this ship. Um, the dream for the project was always to be on one of these uh, historic cargo ships. Yeah. That's what that's what made sense uh, with the ideology of the project. That's what made sense with the area. Um, and actually, when we started, we 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 tried to buy one of these ships, uh, so one of these nineteen thirties diesel coastal ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got really far down the sale process. I mean, I've, I flew out to this uh, the port called Corsa in Denmark. Okay. Um, and we, we surveyed the ship and we put in an offer. Um, but just as we were about to purchase the ship, uh, there was a spike in scrap steel prices um, after the war broke out in Ukraine. Okay. And the ship ended up getting sold to a scrapyard for £50,000 over its asking price. How come? How come was it? it well, because it was, it was worth more as a pile of steel plate yeah. than it was as a floating oh, ship, yeah. and we were we were kind of devastated by that because um, mm. at that at that point there were four of them left in Europe. Yeah, um, that one went. Now there's three of them left in Europe, and so we thought, okay, well, there's no chance we'll ever be able to find one of these ships again. We'll get we'll get something different, and we'll start the project on this. How do you find those ships? How are they advertised? I presume not on Gumtree or... Like, no, the right yeah, or so... Um, eBay? 
so the, the the boat world is a remarkably internet illiterate world. Yeah. Uh, so everything everything happens with phone calls. Okay. Uh, so uh, there's there were, no websites. Th- th- there are, but they never have the the the. The websites are like a, the, the tip of the iceberg for the shipping world, yeah. um, particularly on these on these older ships. So there, there was a broker um, uh, based in the Netherlands who knew we were looking for something, right. um, and we uh, we spoke to him about the first ship, and he was actually the one who gave us a call when this other one came up. Yeah, um, so okay. he, he was great. He really facilitated the whole process there. Great. So yeah, one year later. After you missed the the ship, yeah, yeah, um, what what happened? Well, it's it's kind of a tragic story actually. The, it was um, it was a death. Okay. Uh, so the the ship was owned by uh, an old German sea captain. Okay, um, and he 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 was he was trying to turn it into a museum ship in the okay. port of Flensburg, and at very short notice he. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer and okay. and died. Yeah, so this the ship that we were never expecting to be on the market again. We knew we knew about it. Again, mm-hmm. there's so few of them that <laughs> that I can name every one of these ships. Yeah. Then and yeah, and then we 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 were told that the ship was put on the market. We uh, flew to Flensburg and and spoke spoke to his widow, and we put in an offer for the ship. And you got it. And and we got it. Yeah. Yeah. So you acquired the ship. Yeah, and is it when you started to create, or you created the theatre ship CIC, the organisation? We'd created the organisation before. Before, okay. Yeah, um, and was it just you at the time, or there was no, 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 no. So the, there's, uh, so it, it's quite important to us, I think, to be quite a permeable yeah. organisation. So we we want to be really open for people getting involved, and we've had a lot of involvement at very different levels. Um, so we've had we've had volunteers come over to do a, a couple of hours of painting work, um, but we've also had had people come in and very quickly become members of the core team. Um, and the, the the core team now is about six six people, um, but then there's a, a wider working network, and it's it's by design quite fluid. We want people to feel very welcome here and feel that the any work they are able to give is appreciated and supported and goes towards making the project happen. Yeah. Uh, every member of the team, the core team, is based in the UK. Yes. You, yeah, I asked yeah, you yeah. the question earlier. Yeah. The onset. So there's... Yeah. Apart from me at the moment. Can you, can you name them and who they are? Yeah, yeah, of course. And well, not necessarily where they're based and their, their address, <laughs> but at least who, who they are. Okay. Like there's a website where we can see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. So um, the, the organisation is sort of sort of split into into separate parts, and the, we've got sort of three pillars on the programming side of things, um, and they've they've all been absolutely fantastic. So we've got um, we've got Carl uh, Luchmeyer. So he's a he's a concert pianist and lecturer, and he used to be based at uh, Trinity Laban Conservatoire across the across just across the river. Yeah. Um, so he's been really helpful in developing the music programming. Um, then we've got uh, Natalie Hill, 
So Natalie, Natalie's fantastic. Uh, Natalie actually approached us uh, about a year ago wanting to film a documentary about the project and liked the project so much that she ended up not filming a documentary <laughs> and joining as our head of film programming instead. Uh, so she's been, she's been wonderful at getting the film side of things up and running. Um, and then it's been uh, uh, Brian Lobel, who is uh, uh, he's a professor of speech and drama at Rose Bruford College, and he's been really really helpful in setting up the theatrical programming. Um, so it's it's those those three have been putting in the most in terms of the programming, getting that started, um, and then uh, the organisational development team. Uh, we're working with a, a UCL academic, uh, uh, Dr. Caroline Peltier, and then we, yeah, we had um, Adam Termote, and mm -hmm. he was an environmental researcher um, at Oxford, and he set our environmental agenda, yeah. um, and also was just a very talented, uh, talented carpenter and talented with his hands, and so he um, he was doing a lot of the physical work on the project as well. Um, How did you meet all these guys? Did they? Did you meet them in the context of doing the redoing the ship, or you knew them all before, um, and you all thought, "Let's do it." Yeah. So, um, oh, I should mention yeah. three more people. Actually, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't it's important that people get yeah, yeah. <laughs> get their credit. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, so it, it is important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, and yeah. So then there was. Uh, Uh, Jage Greenall and uh, Jage did a lot of, uh, and it does does a lot of the uh, sort of fundraising and development work. Um, he works with Chris Leckie, who does a lot of the um, grant applications, mm -hmm. um, and then there's Chantal Jade Lane, who has been amazing on um, connecting us into other organisations and yeah. making us a part of the sort of local arts ecosystem. And yeah, in answer to the question you asked, uh, how did I know these people? It's a mix. So some of them, some of them approached um, because of the project. Um, so like Natalie and, and Chantal came to us, and then some of them were people that the the we already knew, and the project was developed yeah very closely with. Okay, um, what sort of support and fun funding? I know uh, I know you don't want to say about figures, uh, but it's more the sort of support and who supported, what sort of organisation supported, are, are still supporting that yeah, project. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's a it's a real mix. Like, fundamentally, the organisation has been made possible by the generosity and enthusiasm and support of people. Um, and, um, I mean, our, like some of our core team members have, have put in quite significant amounts of their own money to to make this happen, I mean, myself included. Um, um, but then we've also been been very lucky in the institutional and organisational support we've received. So uh, the Canal and River Trust have been absolutely fantastic and this, this whole project wouldn't be possible without without their support. Um, and then we, we've also had funding from the local authority, so from Tower Hamlets Council, um, and from uh, the British Film Institute, so from BFI, um, and then a, a number of uh, small grants from different organisations to support different parts of the project. Okay. Um, but the, the, the public funding we've received 
um, we're really pleased to be able to say that the that 80% of the funding we've received has gone directly to artists we're supporting yeah. um, as part of our our programming. So we've been able to cover the core costs of setting up the organisation so far <laughs> um, with uh, the private funding we've been able to secure and then the public funding we've ring-fenced uh, to support the programming and to, to give out to other people. Okay. Um, so going back to this ship... Yes. Uh, what state was it in when you when you got it? The ship had been cared for, um, but is fundamentally old, and it's an old, an old boat made out of steel and sitting in salt water. And uh, salt water eats through steel; yeah. it's it's very corrosive to it. Um, and how big is it? Sorry. Oh, um, how big before? is it? Uh, so it's 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 four hundred and sixty tons. Yeah. Um, it's about fifty meters long. About seven yeah. meters wide. It's pretty long. So it's a fairly big. Yeah. It's a fairly big boat. But it's, for for a, for a ship, it's very small. Yeah. So for a long time, it was both the oldest and the smallest ship, a cargo ship, on the Finnish ship registry. Yeah. Um, and the history of these ships is very international. So it was built in Germany, um, but then for a long time, it was owned by a Finnish owner, um, and now it's uh, obviously in. in British hands and coming across yeah. um, back to the docks here. So, yeah, you were saying salt water is very corrosive. Yeah, yeah. You had to do some work to protect the the hull it, and the rest of the ship. Exactly. So you've got this this constant exercise with ships yeah. of, of protecting the material that it's made out of. I mean, steel's a fantastic material to work with. Like, it's it's really strong. Um, it's, it's not too expensive for the strength that you get. The only real downside to it is this issue with corrosion, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah. So we've we've put in, I think, thousands of hours now um, removing old paint coatings, removing removing rust, um, and getting the steel prepared and painted again. And it's a very delicate operation because if uh, rust on steel has some really awkward qualities. So almost every metal oxidizes, um, some much more slowly than others. Um, but uh, some oxide layers are very inert. So aluminium, which is actually much more reactive than steel, the oxide it forms um, is very passive. So it protects this, the aluminium against further corrosion. But steel, oh, it's a nightmare. Like the rust, rust takes up more volume than the base steel. So as it rusts, it pushes off uh, the layers of paint on top of it, okay. which then removes the paint coating and then reveals more fresh steel underneath for the reaction to continue. Um, so you get these pits that just bore through the steel. Um, and unless you remove all of the rust, that reaction continues under the surface. Um, Interesting. So, And and it's, it's, it's difficult work. You've got to be there with... With, with with a grinder or with uh, with a chisel hammer, just laboriously getting rid of all of this rust. I think there's a. Did you post some videos on that on Instagram? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember um, looking at this. Okay, okay. Before, or after, or something like this, or you were. Just, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't me. It was that 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 would have been Adam who oh, okay, okay. again he poured so many hours into 
keeping the ship alive. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's an incredible achievement. It's a huge, it's a huge area of steel to mm. to prepare and to protect. Yeah, bit. Um, and it's both very physically difficult work, but also very critical work. Um, so yeah. So is that all job. done now? Is that all protected, or you're still doing it? We're, we're still. It, it never ends. Yeah. So okay. um, we're doing as much as we can this time. Um, and we're very nearly finished now on the on the top sides. Uh, so we've got a team of three people now working out there, yeah. protecting the steel. Um, and once those coatings are on, that should buy us about two years before we have to to work on it again. Okay. Um, but hopefully, by doing it really, really well now, we won't have to do quite such a thorough job next time. We'll just be able to update the paint system and. Um, improve patches where it's rusted again. How long does it take to do it? Because if you have to do it every two years, two years is not very long. Two, year, two years is not very long. Um, but yeah, the, the idea is to do it very thoroughly once in a process that takes six months of multiple people working on it. Yeah. And then every two years, you're only having to update and improve. So you're not, you're not having to do that whole process again. Okay. Um, but if you don't do it, if... Uh, six years goes by or 10 years goes by, then suddenly you've got to do this very, very thorough process again. So, um, yeah, ships die because they're not maintained and they, they die because they rust beyond the point of economical repair. Yeah. So it's really critical that we keep up on the maintenance of, of the vessel. Okay. Um, yeah. And what about noise? Noise. It's probably what, one of the first things I thought about. Obviously, yeah, yeah. As an acoustician, of, of course. But, uh, you, have you got? Did you did you speak to the the council on their regulations? They would want to apply or their like their criteria and conditions. It's a multifactorial thing, but obviously noise is a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, the, even apart from not annoying the neighbours, the acoustics are quite significant yeah. to what we can do in the space. Mm -hmm. And yeah, obviously, as an acoustician yourself, you. Um, I mean, you must have had major alarm bells thinking, okay, we've got a 50 meter by seven meter giant metal tube. Uh, how on earth is that going to work yeah. acoustically? Um, and so on this, on this ship, on the one that we're in, we've done quite a lot of work on the acoustics, um, on uh, sort of dampening the resonance and yeah. reflectivity of the, of the material. Um, But again, on the on the new one, we've got similar tension to the one I spoke about with fire exits, where we've got we've got something that's really beautiful. We've got this old industrial space, and the the more we do to it, the more we take away from yeah. that experience of an original space and an original ship. And it's it's amazing stepping into it. It's a huge, it's a huge sort of cavern and it's got this whale boning of these riveted steel ribs all of the way down um you'll have to send some pictures about yeah that as well. I, i will do i will do and it's it's really really beautiful and yeah. it immediately communicates both what the what the purpose of these vessels was but also then what the purpose of this area was and the purpose of these docks um so what what we broadly decided is to split split the programming across the two ships in a way that works with their different features yeah. so this one which is much more acoustically insulated we have for cinema screenings and for 
for rehearsals for for anything where yeah. where the sound is going to be really critical, and then the other one we have as much more installation space. Yeah, um, and where we do have acoustic work, we're trying to turn this the acoustic properties into an advantage rather than a disadvantage. Yeah, so we've got some really exciting stuff planned. We're we're working with an artist called Disinformation, who's okay. and he's uh, going to be bolting huge uh, sort of one and a half kilowatt sonic transducers onto the ribs of the ship nice and that'll, that'll turn the the that'll basically vibrate the shell plating um, and turn it into a big speaker diaphragm yeah um, and so you'll just you'll, you'll hear the fabric of the ship oh. and you'll you'll hear the resonance of the space as you move through it and the the way the so so as as you walk through the sound hits you in different ways depending on where it's reflecting from and so you get this auditory map of a physical space. What how is it called? The the system. The artist. Oh, oh the the system. Oh, the, the the sonic transducers. Okay. So it's, it's just a little it's yeah. like the the element in the middle of like the speaker. Like a vibrating yeah. material that you stick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um and that, that's the kind of thing we can never do in an acoustically insulated space. Mm. So we're we're trying to see it. We're trying to find the opportunities in it, yeah. um, rather than treat it as an automatic disadvantage. Yeah, because obviously the the way we do it is to create a box. Yeah, I would say the the, the first thing that springs to my mind is you're going to have to isolate the theatre or the well, the, the auditorium. Yeah. from noise spilling out yeah, and therefore you need to create a box and yeah. that destroys completely the look and the design you would want yeah exactly but if you don't have a, as, as long as you don't have flats two metres away from yeah. you yeah 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 you should be okay so the, the the area where we're most likely to be operating most of the time is um, it's a commercial yeah. district so there's, there's there's very little residents nearby You're less um, but, but we're also not planning to do anything particularly noisy yeah. um, so what we have found on the ships is there's much more of a problem of noise leaking in than noise leaking out yeah um, so that this true property of reflectivity can hear, yeah. actually contains contains all of the sound yeah um, but it makes it quite permeable from the outside yeah and how about the ventilation right. how do you ventilate the, the boats so the ventilation part is actually quite easy because uh, ships uh, are quite heavily regulated for um, under SOLAS, and that's the safety of life at sea, and um, and part of that involves things like like ventilation. So you've got these big ventilation cowls that go into the cargo hold, um, which is also to maintain the right uh, sort of levels of humidity. So if you're transporting grain, which is what these ships mostly transported for most of their lives um, it, it's quite important that it's able to breathe mm -hmm. um, so yeah so vent ventilation should be okay okay yeah what type of events do you want to organise okay there because yeah. obviously there's you could just have drama but you could have music and are you restricted as well with the type of performance I presume well yes you are <laughs> But uh, what sort of shows do you want to organise? The restrictions that we've got are more self-imposed than anything else. We want stuff that works with the identity of the area and the identity of the space. Yeah. Um, and again, we we want to be we want to be working with what we've got rather than working against it. So we're not going to have anything too loud on the other ship. Okay. Um, 
some not pop rock or really loud amplified music? Well, I mean, in a metal box, that's going to be quite an unpleasant experience Probably, yeah. <laughs> for anyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do we, we 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 do support that kind of stuff. So we, yeah. we have a lot of um, a lot of rehearsals here. Yeah. Um, and this space that we're in right now has been used as a recording studio for okay. Um, yeah, a number of bands, a number of musical artists, um, a lot of jazz musicians as well. Yeah. But our our programming focus is very interdisciplinary. Uh, so one of the things we're really interested in um, is again this idea of permeability. So it's um, in the same way that this space um, reconnects with lots of communities that are often quite separate from each other. We want to be doing that with different genres too. Um, so um, yeah, we've got we've got a real focus on mixing different art forms together into the same programming. So, for instance, we've got this. Um, we, we've got a film festival coming up. Um, as so, that's part of BFI Cinema Unbound season. So, these are uh, films by British filmmakers Paul and Pressburger, and they're absolutely fantastic films. Um, but. As, as films, one of the really interesting things about them is they have tendrils out into these other art forms. So they've got um, they've they've got really interesting visual design and artistic design, and they've got really interesting sound design. And that's a real opportunity to highlight these things, almost like it's, it's kind of like chromatography. Um, so by pairing each of these films with different art forms, you are more able to focus on and tease out that strand that that runs through the film yeah. um, in a way where if you're, if you're just watching it, you, it, it might just, it, it all gets lost into one cohesive whole. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Um, I was also wondering if you, if you've got like some, if you had a design process of what you want to do exactly and how you can fit things, what was presumably, okay. yes, because you've talked about fire regulations and everything. Yeah. Yeah. What? So uh, physical design, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we do. And again, so much of this has been made possible by the support and generosity of interested people. So uh, we had a... Oh, it was fantastic. We had a, we had a Latvian architecture school. So um, RMMT, uh, based in Riga in Latvia. And they sent uh, 17 students here uh, just last week uh, to draw up designs and to... Uh, so this was going to be their final year project and it, it was a, a learning experience and a fun trip away for them but it was really really helpful to just get 17 interested minds yeah. thinking about different ways of solving the different design problems how um, did they hear about it oh that's a great question because it's quite far like, it's yeah. quite it is, it is quite some... far away isn't it um so i um i yeah i i from my time at university, I knew um, uh, someone who was st studying architecture um, at the same time, and I actually ended up selling them a boat, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we, we stayed in touch, and they're, they're now quite heavily involved in this architecture school, um, or de design school on, in the architecture side, and they thought it would be a really great opportunity. Yeah, Hopefully you get more. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, anyone anyone ever wants to come and uh, and learn something or do something, we it's part of our remit as an organisation to be supporting other organisations. And 
um, particularly supporting the development of young people. Yeah. So if there's any way we can facilitate that, we're really enthusiastic about doing that. Yeah, um, I think architecture schools are very keen for those sorts of projects and spaces. Oh, it's, uh, it's a fascinating yeah. space to... Uh, Try to re- reorganise and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a great, a, it's a great middle ground yeah. of working with very significant existing constraints yeah. so there's stuff you just can't change like you can't you can't just knock a wall through because you suddenly get an awful lot of water coming in yeah um and you're you're constrained by the material but there's also so many opportunities in that like you've got so many different design elements that you can be in dialogue with so many different parts of the history of these vessels um and it's it's moving to a really like changing the use of something is a really interesting design question. Yeah. Where you're working with existing materials, an existing structure that was designed for a purpose, and then through your design modifications, you're changing the yeah the purpose it's able to fulfil. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and so I presume you've not had any outcome yet from from that collaboration they gave us some great chocolates (laughs) (laughs) but we yeah we haven't we haven't had the designs through from that but even even talking was was very very useful um and we've had we've had other other designers other other advisors come in so we've had um yeah we've had we've had some really great sound engineers come and explore the space and its acoustic opportunities yeah um how about yeah. other more technical, I guess, did you have a theatre consultant at all advising you on organising everything? So we, we, we didn't have a, a theatre consultant directly, um, but that, that's partly because a, a lot of our core team have a lot of experience in yes. exactly this this kind of area. Um, so that's something we've been able to answer questions quite robustly in-house. Yeah. Okay, interesting. The first time we spoke... Uh, you spoke about reusing as much material as possible. Yeah, So yeah. you've got certain sustainability... Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. ...plan. And I presume those seats are reused? They're yeah, not, they're not yeah, brand yeah, new. yeah, yeah. And, well, well, well and did you mention also... You mentioned that you were going to uh, try to reuse some existing seats for the theatre. Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, exactly. Reuse as much as you can. Yeah, a lot of this is all part of the same core idea really so um the 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 ship itself is reused and repurposed um and it's a thing that otherwise would have been scrapped um and the design philosophy that runs through the space is trying as much as possible to work with and reflect existing things and that that then uh, that that falls into this idea of um, environmentalism and idea of e- ecology, like what, what what the project is supposed to be doing is very deeply engaged with the local environment. Um, and that's both the, um, the, yeah, that's the local ecology, that's the different communities here, that's the different people here, but it's, it's the material ecology, so it's the different buildings here, the different structures here. Um, but it's also the, the sort of... Okay. I guess you call it the more natural ecology. So there's lots of different stakeholders in the project, from right down from the ducks and the coots <laughs> to um, yeah, to the to the companies of Canary Wharf. Yeah, and 
it would be disingenuous to to be setting up a project like this without keeping those environmental aims quite core to the project. Um, so we've, we've got some quite rigorous standards we hold ourselves to. So um, 100% of the materials have to be um, ethically sourced. So we have we have a real emphasis on reclaim and reuse uh, because, again, that, that fits in the idea. Um, but anything that isn't... So all timber, for instance, has to be 100% FSC certified. Yeah. Um, we are intending to become the world's first carbon-neutral theatre. Okay. Um, in, so... In operation. In, like in operation, yeah. Carbon neutral in operation. In operation, yeah. Okay. Um, so we're, we're, we've got that as our target for 2026. What do you need to do for that? So uh, a, a lot of it is is, is robust monitoring. So um, the reason it's set for 2026 is we need to have a really clear picture of our current carbon account and yeah. where it's where it's in deficit and, and what we need to do differently. Yeah, there's the, again through the through the build phase. There's been so much that we've been able to do yeah. for other like 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 using so many reclaimed materials. So eighty percent of the materials that we've used in the ship have been reclaimed. Okay, um, um, and then then it's about sort of fuel selections. So we uh, we don't burn diesel. We use um, uh, a hydrogenated vegetable oil instead. And that's a nice advantage of these ancient engines. Yeah. They they were built in a very different way, and uh, they're very robust. They run forever, um, but it'll run on olive oil. It'll be expensive, <laughs> but it'll run on olive oil. Well, I guess um, you could have a a bank of collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've just got to filter the chips out of it first. Yeah. And, and but you're go. not going to move it too much. No. Oh, you no. Should. But um, that should be okay on the. So it, it should be, but again, for our, our power consumption, for instance. Okay. Um, so yeah, how does power work? Yeah. Well, so we're, we're quite lucky in Canary Wharf that Canary Wharf actually holds itself to very rigorous environmental standards too. Okay. So um, all of their energy is from renewable sources on the estate. So when we're plugged in uh, to shore power, we're using renewable energy. Okay. Um, and where we need to supplement that with generators, we run them on these low carbon fuels. Okay. Um, and we, we try as much as possible to reduce consumption yeah. rather than rely on offsetting. So the, the yeah, core environmental idea is reduce and reuse. Do you know how much uh, you can have, the, the surface you can have, or the number, whatever, the surface you can cover with the, your panels on the, on the boats and whether that would be sufficient to provide enough electricity? Have you done those calculations? We, 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 have, we have done the calculations. Okay. Um, so there's, there's quite a lot of area we can put panels on. Uh, yep. The pinch point at the moment is budget. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah. um, and then, uh, yeah, so it's, it, it's a question of capacity storage. Yep. So use pattern of electricity is quite... Uh, quite irregular like when when you've got everything running when you've got the theater lights up when you've got a production and press the electricity usage is actually quite high mm -hmm. but then the majority of the time it takes very little yeah um so um averaged over time the solar panel array we can fit on the boat is more than adequate to uh supply all of the power for the yeah. for the vessel um the difficulty will be in the storage capacity and in the ability to access that storage quickly 
You could have batteries? Yeah, you, you, you can have batteries, um, but it's a lot of batteries. I think they're really expensive. They're, they're expensive. And again, there's, there are environmental considerations about just how much lithium you're going to want true, to, yeah. um, to use. So, um, And also because you would run events in the evening, so you, wouldn't, you would definitely need to store that electricity somewhere. Yeah, ex- exactly. So it's, a, it's, it's something we've got in the pipeline and it's something we're actively developing funding for. Um, so we, we have an environmental budget written into every single grant application we do. And we, we, so we put a percentage of each grant towards improving the, uh, but yeah, re- reducing the environmental footprint of the project. How about heating and cooling? Heating and cooling? Yeah. So we've got, we're really lucky in a resource that we've got here that lots of venues don't have, which is we're sitting in an enormous body of water, which is a giant thermal store. Um, so we use water source heat pumps, which are like ground source heat pumps. Yeah, it makes okay. sense. Yeah, I mean, you know the idea of a, yeah, yeah. Of a heat pump, right? You, yeah, yeah. You, you leverage a small temperature difference in a large body of fluid to make a large temperature difference in a small body of fluid. So it kind of it works like a fridge. Yeah. If the fridge heats up your room a tiny amount and cools down the inside of the fridge a lot, mm-hmm. it's exactly that idea. So we. I like the explanation. It's very well explained. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, it works exactly like a fruit. It's got the same. It's, it works on compressors. Yeah. Compressing a gas and it expanding. But uh, yeah. So what we'll do is we will, when we need to cool down the space, we will heat up the dock an infinitesimally small amount, <laughs> like a fraction of a degree. Um, and we need to, when we need to heat up the space, we will cool down the dock a fraction of a degree. Um, and that's very energy efficient. Yeah. So um, a normal heater, an electric heater, is 100% efficient. So all of the energy you put into it ends up becoming heat in the space. A heat pump, a well-designed one, would be 500% efficient. So for every kilowatt you put into it, yeah. you end up with five kilowatts of heat in the space. And that's leveraging this ambient temperature. I'm very impressed how you you're very uh, knowledgeable in all those technical oh, aspects. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, yeah. You, you can detail quite well on I, heating uh, and cooling regulations. <laughs> well, well, how about well, insulation? How know, about you, insulation? I know you, you know about insulation because you talked yesterday about the insulation in the other boat. Yeah, 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 I, I did. So I, I think it's the nature of, of projects like this. Uh, it was the nature of boats, I think. Like, boats are self-contained systems. So uh, in a house, you've got all of these different grid connections. So so many of these problems are solved externally. Yeah. And all you need to do is manage the routing of that, the the, 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 the plumbing in of the power to where, where you need it to be. Whereas um, on ships... A lot of the time you're not connected to anything. You're bobbing out there in the middle of the ocean. And so everything you're using, you have to be familiar with how that's created yeah. on the on the ship. Um, so you have to be at least a bit familiar with all of these systems to be able to operate it at all. But yeah, I think the, the, the core idea on this, on the sustainability front and on the um, environmental front is this idea of ecology. Yeah. So it's it's the idea of being in a network of other things and the responsibilities you've got to those other things. Um, so the 
the environmental agenda isn't some separated part of the project. It's not carved off as like, oh, yeah. by the way, we also try and do environmental yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like it's such a core part of what the whole thing is. Mm-hmm. Like the whole project is so connected to the to the docks, to the area, to to the people that yeah yeah it would be it would be a, a nonsense to be trying to serve a community while also poisoning them with noxious fumes pumping out of ancient diesel generators one thing about the uh, the fuel uh, yeah. one question do you need more how efficient is it to to run on olive oil fuel <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's not do you need more more fuel and do you, i guess you need to store Yeah, so when you're moving. Yeah, so the, we've got 10,000 liter tanks. Okay. Um, so 10, 10 tons of fuel. Uh, that's a lot. To and that's that's to on the journey across. Um, so the energy density of these um, alternative fuels and diesel is actually very similar. And the ones the ones we get are actually a, it's called Green D plus. It's a drop-in replacement. Um, I'd say it's actually superior to diesel in almost every respect. Yeah. Like it's got a tighter band of, uh, of basically the the molecule length, so it, it it it's more it burns much more reliably. It burns much cleaner, and it's it's much less smoky. It's much more it's much closer to a sort of paraffinic fuel than a, a diesel fuel. Okay. Um, particularly shipping diesel is often. Um, Uh, often has, for instance, much higher sulfur content than road diesel. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's a crazy stat, but the the ten largest container ships in the world produce more atmospheric emissions than every car in the world combined. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, that's that's just ten ships, um, and that's partly a function of the fuels that they burn. Um, But yeah. also, obviously, just the sheer size of the of the engines. I I don't know any numbers, uh, but I read an article recently on the. Did was it an article or was it just a YouTube video? I think it was a YouTube video because I don't know that many details. But on cruising ships okay. being very very profitable yeah. for cruising companies because you can squeeze a lot of people yeah. in a very small space. Uh, it's efficient packing of people isn't yeah. It? yeah but it's so bad in terms of emissions fuel emissions yeah 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 so, um, yeah yeah um, yeah so and have you ever thought of uh, having running the running it on electricity so uh, any movement or replacing the fuel with electricity uh, right would that work yeah. So we have actually run some of the evaluation on this. Um, the The advantage of electricity is you can get it from renewable yeah. sources. But actually, these modern fuels are also a renewable resource. Like, all of this energy comes from the sun at some that's point. True. That's true, yeah. Every, every tree is technically solar-powered. Even fossil fuels, yeah. that energy came from the sun. It was just from trees... Or from algae a long, long, long time ago, yeah. um, and so it's renewable over a time frame that's kind of irrelevant. It's renewable over millions of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, our, our drop-in fuel replacements are are renewable. They, they're grown. Okay. Um, they're grown in a season. They're processed and they they regrow again. So all of that carbon is recaptured, um, and both at like 
part of what's special about this boat is it's 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 quite historically intact. So we wouldn't want to remove this beautiful machine um, out of it and replace it with electrical yeah. motors. And also they're just much less practical. Like the energy density of a fuel is so much higher than that of a battery. Yeah. Um, and the amount of lithium that would have to be mined <laughs> to get batteries sufficient to drive the ship across the sea. Um, True, yeah. The autonomy would be... You yeah. would have a great range. So... There is a toss-up in all of these environmental things. There are so many different factors, but it is not automatically true that electric is better or cleaner. Yeah, um, and there's a big risk in lithium batteries setting on fire. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which I didn't um, know about. Right. <laughs> so apparently, there's loads of electric cars that are setting on fire, even when they're not uh, on the road. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of energy. If you think, you like, like, I mean, like, it's like with a fuel tank. Like, if you're storing enough energy in this box to be able to drive a car 500 miles, if you release all of that energy all at once, it's a big bang. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so a, a lithium battery that goes, goes bang makes a big explosion. Let's go back to the ship. And um, I've got questions of when the ship will be done and right. how you will operate it but uh, what's left to do in the ship and how when when do you see the the time when you'll be able to okay. open it to the public okay so uh, on the ship um we're very nearly open so we, we we already operate it um sort of um with with no charge while we're testing testing systems um to su sort of support local artists but we'll be opening it to the public in December. Yeah. Um, so that's the one we're on now. Um, then the other one, the timeline is a bit more uncertain because it's just out of our hands. Yeah, um, not until the next 14 weeks. Uh, no, next 14 days. days. Oh, next sorry. 14 days. <laughs> days, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just waiting for weather. Um, I've got a bit more work to do on the engine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, the, the engine's 60 years old. And uh, getting that into an operable condition again um, is taking time. Um, and yeah, it's quite a it's quite a long journey. And so we we want everything every every part of the ship to be in absolutely optimal condition yeah. uh, before we set off. And uh, yeah, so you still have some work to do in the big ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we're taking advantage of the, of the weight to do work that we would have to do this side anyway. So work's continuing there. So we, we're doing work on these fire exits. We've built a new, a new deck um, uh, to increase the publicly available area on the ship. Um, and yeah, I've been uh, burrowed away in the engine room uh, trying to... Uh, we've, we've got a leak on one of the liner seals on one of the okay. pistons. Um, Oh, it's incredible. I mean, each each piston is uh, is two hundred and twenty millimeters across. It's about the size of a dinner plate. Yeah. Um, so each each one had that displaces the same. So it's the same as about ten like normal cars. And that's each piston. Again, I saw one of your latest videos. Yeah. Is yeah. it the, the last one explaining how is it the piston you were fitting? Ah. And you froze. Yeah. You froze the piston because it was like one millimeter out, and yeah, what, you decided yeah, yeah, yeah. to freeze it. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly to right. Fit in, and it fits perfectly. Yes. And I saw that video, <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I did, uh, you know, I did. 
have a look at everything and all the process of it. <laughs> yeah. can, you, can you explain that video and that process? Yeah, 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 of course, of course. So, um, yeah, so th- there are some parts on these engines which are uh, what's called interference fit. Um, and they're designed where you have one part which is machined to be just ever so slightly larger than the part it fits into. And then the seal is formed by the pressure that that, that that part exerts on the part that it's surrounded by. Yeah. And those are often fitted, well, when they're factory made, they're fitted with these big hydraulic presses that just push it into the, in, into the slot. I don't have one of those. Um, so what I was taking advantage of is the fact that steel expands and contracts in different temperatures. So the hotter it is, the bigger it is. The colder it is, the smaller it is. So I uh, I went to a, a sort of commercial bar company. I bought all of the dry ice that they had, <laughs> and I put the um, I put this ring into the dry ice. So that's frozen carbon dioxide, and that's um, I can't remember exactly, but it's like minus seventy eight something like that. Um, I know. Sorry. It's quite low. <laughs> yeah, which is quite cold. <laughs> it's quite cold. Yeah. And then that ring just shrinks down as it as it as it freezes, as it gets colder and colder and colder. It it's it shrinks down by just that fraction of the millimeter that you need. So then you just you just pick it up with very thick gloves and you drop it into the slot and it just perfectly falls into the slot. Yeah. And then when it warms up again to the ambient temperature of the engine, it expands out. And that's what then creates that interference fit to prevent any leaks. <laughs> it's great fun. <laughs> Interesting, satisfying. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, it looks great when you take it out of the bag and it's so cold that it just immediately crystallises white yeah. as the ambient water vapour in the air just freezes on it. Um, I wonder if we can uh, share that video. Oh, yeah, I could, send, I could send you a copy for sure. Yeah, yeah we'll have to try it. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, and so now let's assume the ship is done. What what are your plans for the to operate the ship? Will you be operating yourself? Will you get an operator to operate it? And obviously, we we spoke about the shows, but if maybe you can give more details and elaborate that point as well. Okay. So the the, the point of the organisation is really to be um, to be facilitating this programming where excited about so in a lot of the operations will be done in-house but and again this is the same idea coming back and back and back again in lots of different ways like this uh, we don't want our uh, our programming to be just us saying what we think stuff should be so again it's it's very open to stuff so we'll there will be stuff we're producing in-house but a lot of what we're doing is putting it out to an artistic community and um, facilitating and supporting people to develop their own projects in the space Um, so the the most recent thing we've done along that idea is this audio installation um, where we we put that out to an open call, and we're like, "Look, we'll we'll give we'll give you a budget, um, and we'll exhibit your work. Um, these are the ideas we want to engage with. So we wanted we wanted that those pieces to be each one to be differently engaged with the local environment at the docks. And we ended up with ideas that we just never would have thought of ourselves. Um, so you, you end up with a program that is so much richer than if. It had been relying just on our internal teams 
own artistic ideas. Yeah. So as I said, we got we got this real range. We got this we got this fantastic idea with the um, with vibrating the structure of the ship. Uh, we've got um, we've got a, a really exciting piece uh, like tracking three generations of the same family, and so tracking this story of change in the docks through the change in a family. Yeah. Um, and we've got a, a, a great audio piece about migration and about the leakiness of public discourse in migration. And that is a piece that, that takes clippings from uh, news reports, audio clippings and news reports, but it's then mixed by a boy, as in B-U-O-Y, um, with an accelerometer on it in the dock. So it's the water which mixes mixes these sounds in and out together so you hear you hear the sound of the water in these voices drifting in and out with each other thanks for um, clarifying the boy because yeah, <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're not exploiting child labor for audio mixing <laughs> so, um, um, great but, but yeah so we, we get these these fantastic artists and being able to provide the space and and some budget to support then ends up with a much more exciting program than if we were just trying to do it all ourselves. Great, I can't wait to... We'll have to so have another, another, another episode on uh, when it's done and when it's running and what yeah. it looks like also when it's finished. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, are you thinking of using the boat to tour around cities? But, well, given how restricted you are with the sea conditions, maybe yeah. this is you can't do that anywhere or you you have to be pretty sure that you can be at a certain place at a certain time regardless yeah, of the weather exactly so again because so much of what we're trying to do is in dialogue with what's around here our our focus certainly in the early years is on um yeah building and developing a community and an identity here mm-hmm. um but one of the great advantages of being a boat is a boat can move yeah um so yeah at, at about year five we do have plans to 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 take the ship or one of the ships probably the the smaller one um basically the, the bigger one the, the smaller one i can legally drive so that that reduces costs quite significantly whereas the bigger one we need to have a whole a, a whole crew okay um yeah, i didn't i didn't think about that who would you need would you hire a crew to move it or you would have like you've already got that crew as so a, um, as a volunteer part of the organisation yeah so so again we I'm consistently amazed with the skill sets of different people who are keen to come and just be involved yeah um, we like so I'm, I'm trying to source a crew at the moment for the crossing and yeah um, and this has been in Flensburg in, in Germany and we've had people come forwards there yeah. that we have no no connection with just as a result of passing conversations we've had ship mechanics we've had uh, we've had skippers we've had all of these people sign up to come for the crossing just for the sheer enthusiasm yeah um, and the sense of adventure and that's so that's so nice to see that that brings so much more than like not only does it save the cost having enthusiastic and engaged volunteers having people becoming a part of the project is so much a part of what we're trying to do and it brings so much more than um it, it just brings so much richness yeah definitely to to what we're doing um 
So yeah, we do we we do also have a professional skipper as well who I've worked with quite a lot before, and he's fantastic. Um, he's a um, yeah, he's he's called Stefan, and uh, he's he's both a surveyor and a skipper. And certainly the insurance company are very happy about that because they figure that if the surveyor is happy to drive the boat himself, then probably the, the, the boat is is sound. Yeah. So, yeah. You mentioned insurance. Um, yeah. Can you tell about how much it costs to run? Does, is it more expensive? Is it expensive? And is it more expensive than so running any other ships? I guess as soon as you have public and yeah, yeah. So we, we've split the, the the insurance is actually split into the different kinds of operations. So there's 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 insurance which is covering the uh, I guess what you call the marine risks, like the risks which are unique to it being on a boat. Yeah. Um, and with all of those risks covered, that means we can get much more traditional insurance to cover the operating risks. Yeah. So once 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 everything about it being on a boat is covered, you can just get a standard theatre insurance to cover the theatre operations. Yeah. Um, and the marine, the marine insurance is quite expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's a um, sort of like six-figure. Um, okay. Some, but the, the other insurance is... It is a, it is a lot. Yeah. For such, I'd say, a, a small performance space. It, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, that is split across the two, the two ships. Um, so you will be having... Needing to have a pretty intense program to... F- and yeah, all this. Sorry, to, five to pay figures. For all the costs. It's in the tens oh, okay, of thousands. Six, okay. Not the, yeah, not that, that yeah, would have been an awful figures. lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just counting the zeros in my head there. You know, there's um, obviously we had uh, Claire and John from Theatre yeah. Trust, and it's episode four, I think. Right. If, if you're interested to listen. To. Okay, <laughs> okay, if, okay. If the, Anybody, the, the audience is also interested. Yeah. But um, in preparation to that episode, John did another interview and he mentioned that the most theatres, I think so, uh, if I recall well, most theatres can break even from 70% occupancy. Right, okay. And therefore... Obviously, the more seats you have, yeah, the more yeah. income you have. Yeah. Do you, have you have you done those financial plans where you know you're ca- based on your capacity? Will you be able to well at least break even? And yeah, or you will have to rely on grants. So, um, we we've made quite a conscious decision that the. And then this 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 is sort of reflected in the structure of the organisation. Like we're in, we're a non-profit. Um, we're aiming to to secure charitable status um, relatively soon. The the a lot of the point of our programming is not not to make money, um, okay. and so we're we're not trying to make these decisions commercially. Yeah. Um, and that's partly for access. Like if we're charging twenty quid for a ticket for something, then yeah. only people who already know that they like that thing 20 quid's worth yeah. will will come and we want to be um, engaging and reaching audiences that might not already know that they like what we're doing mm-hmm. um, so the majority of our programming at the moment is grant funded um, and ticket sales at the moment we operate on a pay what you can uh, ticket thing so that nobody is ruled out of being able to experience uh, what we're offering um, 
And yeah, so, so, so tickets are an important revenue stream, but they're not expected to cover all of the costs. That's interesting. And do you know also who will come? Do you have an idea of who will come to the theater, to the theater ship? Will it be people from Canary Wharf? Will it be also people from outside London? But yeah. what's... Do you have well, an idea of all this? Again, we're, we're, we're open to anyone. <laughs> we're... we're, we're We're really excited about this project and we would like to share this with as many people um, as would as would like to experience it. Yeah. Um, we, we, we have a specific focus on, um, on, on the people in the communities around here. Yeah. Um, so, um, but but that, that is very, very varied. Like the people with connection to these docks is, is huge. I mean, it's... A, a, um, for instance like our local borough over a third of the population of our local borough um are uh, of bengali origin and they were also over a fifth of the workforce in british merchant ships after world war one um there's this really rich seafaring history among this population and this really rich connection to these docks yeah um and so, so yeah so many of the descendants of those workers are still living and working in Tower Hamlets today, so our focus is on these people, these people who are around us, and it's both looking towards Canary Wharf um, on the right hand side and towards the Isle of Dogs on the left hand side, um, and hoping to be a bit of a bridge between these sub two communities. One question I forgot to ask you is how much work are you anticipating, or you did? You have to engage professionals. Um, yeah and how much work can be done voluntarily okay or charitably well uh, so i mean volunteers are often still professionals <laughs> it's true um, it's a good point so, yeah um i think one of one of one of the things is we and will it be individuals or who are professionals yeah in a certain area or will it be companies who are giving their time and staff right We've, to do the works, we, we've had a mix of both. Okay. Um, so, for instance, we've we've had support from um, RNSS Limited, which is a big, yeah. a big sound company. They they do the South Bank Centre and the Festival Hall. Okay. Um, they've been fantastic. They they're um, long term lending us all of the audio equipment for uh, for operating the ship, um, and been donating staff time as well to support the setup of that. Nice. Um, And and then 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 we've also had had individuals. So actually, a lot of the core team uh, are are volunteering. Yeah. Um, I don't draw a salary from this. Um, I'm putting in my time, and a lot of the rest of the core team are too. Um, but obviously, unavoidably, you can't. You, you even even with volunteering, there's and and even with the the richness and the enthusiasm with which people have lent their time. There are unavoidable costs, um, and a lot of the physical work that we've been doing on the ship has been been paid for. Yeah, um, we've also had volunteers do that. I mean, we've had a team of about forty volunteers uh, come and do physical work and have that as an opportunity to learn physical skills as well. Um, and that that that's been hugely useful. But as we spoke about earlier, with the rust and the sheer scale of it, you you can't expect people to to Do tackle it. a project to that scale for free. And um, I guess also insurances would want that done by professionals. Yeah, so so you want it to 
so we've yeah we've got our own employers liability insurance um but yeah obviously you want people to have their own particularly contractors to have their own public liability insurance too um but the thing is even even people who are paid that doesn't mean that they're not being incredibly generous like the support we have had from paid staff as well who repeatedly go above and beyond uh, the amount of love and care and attention that has been put into these jobs is just overwhelming yeah it's true you can you can pay some a company but they can go further to what they they can extend the scope yeah they can go really exactly really far with the scope and Uh, and yeah and the, the majority of the the people we've employed have been employed as individuals rather than companies. Yeah. Um, you should, uh, well, it's good for uh, if people who listen to that podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of big companies who have volunteering days. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I remember us struggling or trying to to find something yeah so that's a that's an idea if, yeah yeah if they want to find somewhere yes yeah, yeah yeah during their volunteering days and, and it's, a, it's lot, not a lot just of the organizations here have um have a I've lot of volunteering it. days they've, they've, okay. they've not done it yet because we've we've um yeah we've we've been as we're developing the systems we've been developing it sort of quite quite close and then yeah. once once we've got enough sort of full-time staff to be able to manage a larger volunteer program yeah. um, if we're getting that many people in at once for instance um, uh, yeah we need to have clearer structures in place for managing that great um, I think we've gone through everything haven't we okay yeah uh, have you got anything to add before the last questions um, any credits you'd like to give to some any, people any credits so okay so who, who have I credited so far so I think I've done the I've done the team yeah, there's all of the volunteers who've yeah. who've come and supported us, and and again, it's not it's not like there's this really clear distinction between someone who is a volunteer and someone who is a team member. Like yeah. all of these volunteers are are part of the team, and a lot of the a lot of the team started out just coming along for a day and then stayed for a year, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then also our our labourers as well. So we've got. Um, uh, Jean and Jan and uh, Julius all working out on the ship in Germany at the moment and they've, okay. they've been great and we've got Francis and Casper who've been working here and they've been fantastic um, uh, and again we've, we've also had all this all this funding and support from all these local organisations um, so yeah, yeah. We, we remain incredibly grateful for the support without which this project wouldn't happen um yeah cool so last questions uh what's your best memory my best memory about the project and you can have more than one so there's, there's a few i think yeah. um one, one of them has got to be uh, so so we spent i think it must have been about three months waiting for parts to arrive for the engine and getting it all reassembled that first moment when it sputters into life again is just that that sheer relief and that that sheer joy yeah you've got this beautiful ancient machine that's um enormous <laughs> and complicated and seeing it alive again seeing it working again and that that was that was a very joyful moment um then uh, other ones 
yeah, I, I think I think some of the development work for this audio installation I was really excited about that because again we were we were sort of trialing something slightly new of putting this out and seeing what we'd get and it would have been very possible that we would we wouldn't get anything back at all the the um and it was just a real confirmation of that that idea working like we just got such interesting ideas executed so well mm-hmm. by um yeah in a way that just really really confirmed that this that invo- involving others putting stuff out there is, is so much more effective than whatever certainly than whatever I would have come up with if I was trying to create six audio pieces myself um uh, so yeah so those are those are two two points and I think maybe maybe one other is the 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 moment when we took this ship across the the channel I was on watch at dawn um in the middle of the journey and we were right in the middle of the sea and it was a completely flat day and seeing a like seeing the sunrise over the sea where you get the very first crescent of it because there's no there's no you've just got the pure flat horizon um there there's an immense sense of peace i think and it it really reiterated <coughs> what's so lovely about about ships and shipping this um the the possibilities they open up this ability for like international crossing we had a crew from five different countries um and that was a very exciting moment. We were driving this thing to London to start something. Yeah, um, great. So those those are three those are three highlight moments. I'd say. And how about your worst? My memories? worst memory. It can be one, more than one as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, sounds, so, sounds like there's been many. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to say, the the worst memory came, or one of the worst memories came very shortly after the best memory with the engine. Which is, I had put, I'd put all of this work into repairing the liner seal on cylinder three, yeah. And then this engine coughed back into life after that work, and then I did a load test on it for six hours, and then the liner seal on cylinder two went. <laughs> just that that roller coaster of the the enthusiasm when it starts up to just the, oh no, not again. <laughs> um, but that's 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 the risk you take on with these heritage restoration yeah, jobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a, a car will do maybe one hundred and fifty thousand miles over its life, and a, the ship has done well over several million. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's no surprises that there's lots to fix. Have you haven't had any theft at all? Because there's a uh, quite when I ask those questions to yeah to the guest, there's been a few comments on theft. Okay, okay. But right, I mean, I asked you earlier, or yesterday, yeah, yeah, about theft, and you said there's no no problems here. But have you have you had any any problems? So Canary Wharf is a very very safe area. Yeah. Um, there's very little, um, little that that happens here, and yeah, we've been very lucky. Um, we've not had any um, stuff. We did we did have a break in on the ship in Germany, yeah. um, while while we were away. And that's that's always upsetting. It's always upsetting when you come back to a, a, a space, um, and to, to find it's kind of been been entered in that way. Um, but luckily, 
they were quite conscientious thieves. Nothing was nothing was broken, nothing was damaged, um, and it was just sort of some money and some some jewellery that was stolen. And um, so the the project was able to continue. But I'm very much looking forward to getting the the ship across to England. I'll feel much less torn myself when it's I'm not trying to operate across two different countries. Yeah, and yeah. Last question: How can we follow you? Oh, okay. We're quite easy to find. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you search theatre ship, uh, you'll you'll get us. So we're we're on most of the main social media platforms. So we've got Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, you were talking about uh, doing some uh, documentaries, film documentaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you could do something about on YouTube about it on YouTube. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so series of progress. Yeah, so we, we we've we've got that vaguely planned. Okay. So so the, the documentary stuff is definitely happening. Um, yeah. It's just a question of we're, we're a new organisation. We're running on quite limited resources, and it's where to put our time and energy. And um, as as I'm sure you've discovered with the podcasting stuff, it's not easy doing videography stuff. It it's takes. Not. It's a um, yeah. It's 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 a real skill, and it's 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 quite expensive to set up and yeah. takes quite a lot of time so we would love to do more of that um slightly down the line i think and have you got something like a newsletter to keep people informed we, we do we do I, so if you go to our website again if you if you search search the ship um and you can subscribe to our mailing list and okay. we'll, we'll i will do keep to well. update you i'm sorry okay. i haven't already no <laughs> that's fine that's fine yeah uh, but yeah thank you very much thank you, thank you, go. you and um hopefully We'll organise the maybe not soon the episodes. Um, we'll have to let it yeah, go. Yeah. But yeah, I, I look forward to having an episode on the yeah on the when, when, completed. When yeah, great. Okay. Cheers. Yeah, wonderful to meet you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Bye.